Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. That really was a, wasn't that? I think that's the first time I've heard that song, and it was powerful. There is none like Jesus. And it's good to be home. It's good to be home to worship Jesus. It's good to be here in the house of the Lord. It's good to go away. It's definitely good to go away, but it's good to come home. And this is home. And this is nice. It's really just, uh, what a great feeling to be here this morning, worship our Lord, to hear that the faithful one, to sing about Jesus. You are everlasting, isn't he? He's everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. The book of Hebrews tells us that, doesn't it? Hebrews 7.24 talks about Jesus being uh, forever. He's from eternity. He lives forever. It says he lives forever. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. I hope you believe that today. If you don't, I'd love for you to uh, discover that today, that Jesus Christ lives forever, and he's the everlasting one. You know that uh, Gospel of John tells us, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Uh, John went on to say Jesus was the word that became flesh. He dwelt among us. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our God, our Creator. He came down here uh, to, to, to dwell among us. And that's the story of Christmas. And I'm sorry, I know it's only October, but Christmas is coming. (laughs) Believe it or not, we are already thinking about Christmas. And I know you saw in one of our announcements about uh, the uh, presentation that Bethesda's going to be putting on, which is going to be wonderful. I would encourage you all to invite someone to uh, uh, the Bethesda Christmas production. It's a wonderful life, a live radio play. It's going to be on December 22nd. I really think it's going to be grand. I'm looking forward to it. But we're also having a Christmas presentation on November the 12th. Now, it's not our Christmas presentation, but I want you to be aware of it. Uh, It's called The Really Big Christmas Show. It's going to be here at Bethesda on Sunday, November 12th. It's produced by Thurlow Spur. You may have heard of him. He's done these productions for over 40 years. He was looking for another place in Macomb County, and he called us up and reached out to us earlier in the year. Uh, and so we said, yeah, we'll, we will uh, host your production. We could use about 30 volunteers. I saw a pretty big contingency of people from Bethesda at Thurlow Spur's production last year, which was down at the Macomb Center for the Performing Arts. And... If you want to be a part of it this year and you want to volunteer, we need about 30 people, hosts, ushers. All you have to do is show up for lunch on November the 12th, which is easy. Show up for lunch, free lunch. And then at 2.30, the production uh, begins. You'd need to be here earlier. They'll tell you all you need to do to usher or to uh, be a host. Work till about 2.45, and then you can uh, enjoy the production. If you want to know more about it, you want to be a part of it, call the office, contact uh, Ruth, ask for Ruth. You can email Ruth Bellinger at yourbcc.org uh, because we're thinking of Christmas. 
But we're not starting the season yet. I'm not a, I, don't, I don't start Christmas the day after our... Uh, the day after Halloween, November 1st. I know a lot of the radio stations do. I prefer to wait till after Thanksgiving. Uh, but we have to think about some of these things and plan. It's still October. We have other things to talk about. We are talking about the wall. Now, we have began October talking about the wall, a wall of separation. Talk about separating us and the Lord, right? That we can put walls between ourselves and God. We can put walls between ourselves and others. Now, uh, Julie and I were truly blessed that we were able to take a break uh, for a couple of weeks. We were immensely blessed that we were able to visit Italy. And there is just a wonderful, rich history in that country it's the country her grandparents came from, so we were pretty excited to be there and to learn a lot about it. But you know what's uh, very prominent throughout that country is walls. There is a lot of walls that are still standing from the time the Romans built them to uh, even before uh, the Roman Empire and some after. They are still standing. The Colosseum in Rome the Aurelian walls around Rome, the, the walls of Verona, Assisi, San Gimigiano. It seemed every city that we uh, went to had some remnant of a wall, if not almost all of the wall. And it was a reminder to me about what we had been discussing here throughout the month, this idea of the walls. We began speaking about King David, if you remember, remember back to the first Sunday of October, he had to deal with certain obstacles he put in front of himself that really hindered his relationship with God, right? It was anger. He became angry with God because God struck down Uzzah. Uzzah reached out to touch the ark. He was struck dead. And we read in 2 Samuel 6, David became angry, angry with the Lord. I think we could probably all relate to that at one point in our life if we haven't really wondered, Lord, what are you doing? Even become a little bit uh, angry with him. It's, it's an emotion I think we've probably all felt. And then fear, too. David had fear. He was afraid of God. Well, this wall of fear he put up and he erected between himself and God. But David had to deal with it. For three months, he was dealing with his anger and his fear, and at birth a song. It birthed Psalm number 24. So I know we've recited it a few times, but I want to recite it again. Let's just rehearse Psalm 24. It's just 10 verses long and continue to keep it in front of us. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and he established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? 
the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. What a glorious song that David birthed through his anger, through his frustration with God, his fear. He dealt with it, and out came this great and glorious psalm. And we began three weeks ago talking about how David had to deal with what he was going through, and when he did, this psalm came out where David did what? He acknowledged God. He recognized God as the creator, as sovereign over all the earth. Because remember, we talked about how David may have really kind of put himself in a position a little bit above God, about how he felt so strong and how he felt so mighty, and his army was with him when he went to get the ark, and he was building up the city of Jerusalem and building himself a palace, and he had added to his harem, and he had probably been feeling some intoxication from all that power and might sort of puts God on the side. And so he, he dealt with it and he writes in the psalm, God, the earth is yours. Everything is yours. You're the creator. In essence, he's saying, God, you created everything. And then he goes on to say, now how can we approach God? Who can approach God? Who can come up his mountain? Well, he answered the question, the one with the clean hands and uh, the one with the pure heart the one who is clean enough on the outside, clean hands, clean enough on the inside, clean heart, to be in the presence of Almighty God. Well, now, of course, we, we talked about, well, there is no one who is clean enough on the outside. There's no one clean enough on the inside except Jesus, except Jesus, the everlasting one, the faithful one who we just sung about, except Jesus. So when Jesus is our righteousness, by him, in him, through him, we can be clean enough. We can be declared righteous before our creator God to then enjoy relationship, to enjoy his presence. So ultimately, it, it's with Jesus who renders the wall of separation between mankind and God to be leveled. He knocked it down by his sacrificial death, and he gave us all the opportunity to be in relationship with our Creator. And though that happens, and for, I think, most all of us who have said, we call on Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, and he saved us from our sin, and he's taken our sin away, and we believe it with all our heart, and we, we sung a song, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Christ his Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the three-in-one, I believe in the name of Jesus, and I know so many of us out here can declare that this morning, yet things creep into our lives, don't they? Things come into our lives that can begin to build up to a barrier. And we need to be vigilant to avoid those things and get back again to where Jesus has leveled that. And we talked about that on our first week, and then two weeks ago, Reverend Barry Allen, our care and our outreach pastor, he followed up by addressing some of the things that can pit generation against generation, because the psalm tells us 
Let's be a generation that seeks your face, O God of Jacob. So how can we be that generation? And Pastor Barry talked about that, and he referred to Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul writes there's only one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one. We are to be united as one, one generation. Yet we put things between us, don't we? So, Barry had a, a plan. He had, you all had a brick in your hand, a paper brick, not a real brick, but he asked you to write on it. Write down any obstacle. Write down anything that was hindering your relationship with God, hindering your relationship with others, things that were building barriers, walls, so that we can deal with them and be one. Be one generation. You know, whether it was fear or pride or anger, whether it was a, a heart issue that kept you from seeing other people as God's children, you know, whether it was what people look like, what, how they dressed, tattoos, hair, skin color, accent, nationality, uh, music, whatever the prejudice. Write it on the brick. He said, write it on the brick and lay those bricks here at the altars. And then last week, last week, Reverend Terry Allen, our, our worship and arts pastor, he spoke about, let's eliminate these bricks, right? Okay, if we've identified them, why don't we get rid of them? Because they, they are barriers. Uh, pastor Terry used uh, Aaron, right? It was Aaron, Moses' brother, as an example, and how Aaron was at the foot of the mountain while Moses was on Mount Sinai. And what did Aaron do? He, to placate a stubborn and rebellious people, he created an idol of gold, a golden calf. And it was because Aaron feared the people and he uh, defied the leadership of Moses. And so then there was that wall, a wall of separation. Aaron, you know, separated from his brother Moses, separated from God. The people separated from God because they did this terrible thing. And so Terry made the appeal to us, let's be one generation, undivided, eliminate those bricks. And what did he do? He, he put fire to them as a, as a symbol of how, to, how we could burn these things out of our lives. And I trust if you've done an honest assessment that you've been able to deal with those barriers, that we, all of us, if we've looked inside, that we've been able to deal with anything that hinders our relationship with Jesus, that hinders our relationship with others, that fractures unity, that divides rather than unites, I trust we've been able to deal with those walls and that we've listened to, to Barry and Terry and didn't they do a good job you know, I'm so glad that we, um, we can, you know, that we have uh, support here. And you might wonder, well, how do I know? Well, there's technology, right, too. So I wasn't tuning in while I was away, but when I came home, yeah, I listened. And I thought they, they really did a, a nice, nice uh, job in terms of talking about these things and getting rid of of these walls. And now if the walls are broken down, if, if we truly examined our hearts and we've 
tried to deal with these things, and we brought them to the altar, and then we, we burned them out last week, and, and you stood arm in arm and prayed together. What's the result? Because the results, to me, are going to be positive. They're going to be uplifting. They're going to be encouraging. They're going to be great. And I can think of many great things that can happen when we deal with these bricks and, and the barriers that build a wall. And I just uh, I want to distill them down really to two, to two positive things that occur when we knock these things down in our life, and they are visibility and access. So first, visibility. When you have a barrier in front of you, Naturally, it reduces what you can see. It hinders your vision. It hinders your visibility. I was reminded of this over and over the, the past couple of weeks. While we were visiting these different cities, and at one time or another, most all of them had been fortified with walls. In, in many cases, it might be just part, a remnant of the wall that was still remaining and we had these guides, wonderful guides that were teaching us, and invariably they would say something like this, imagine this wall being twice as high and ten times as long, things like this. And they would say, well, you couldn't see over there, or you couldn't see the water, or you couldn't see the valley, or whatever it is that would be blocked, because they were reminding us, this is just a portion after 2,000 years of what remains, but just imagine in your mind's eye this enormous wall. Not Some of them were still enormous, but unbelievably they'd say they were bigger. And so because a wall gets knocked down, we could see. Our visibility is enhanced. And for our church... I want visibility for our church. I have a vision. I have a vision, and, and I hope and I trust that we have dealt with the walls and the encumbrances in front of us, and we can all share the vision. And I just want to say, my vision for Bethesda Christian Church, it's not unique. I don't think it's original. I, I don't believe it's unprecedented. But I really, truly believe it's clear because I think it's a, a, a vision of the church that's biblical. I believe this is what the Bible presents to us for the church. And I believe it can be summed up in Scripture. And that's a Scripture we heard a couple of weeks ago from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And I just want to share the summation, if you will. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. See, I see the church. My vision for the church is one. It's unity. It's united. It's one body. I believe that's the biblical presentation for the vision of the church. In the words of Psalm 24, it's one generation. My vision is one generation. One generation comprised of all ages. One body 
that's made up of all peoples, all colors, all languages, all backgrounds. One body, one generation, men and women, all. Paul put it very similarly in the letter to the Galatians, and I just share Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all not divided, for you are all one. For you are all not fractured, not spread out here and there. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. So as I said, it's, it's a vision that's not new. It's not unique. It's not unprecedented. It's biblical. It's the picture of the church based on Holy Scripture that we're one and that we're united. But it's a vision that can be hindered. And it can be hindered by walls of exclusion. It can be hindered uh, by walls that say, well, I, I don't care for that individual or that person or those people. But the church isn't exclusive. The church is inclusive. The church is for all. What are some of the things that Jesus said? What are the, some of the things that he talked about? Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Well, there's a generational idea, isn't there? The little children and everybody. And Jesus reached out to women. And Jesus reached out to Samaritans and to Romans and to prostitutes and tax collectors. He touched the contagious lepers. He lifted the lame from the ground, people that would get walked right by. He called fishermen. He reached out to noblemen. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He didn't say, if this group of people or that group of people, anyone. Anyone excludes no one. So I pray, I pray that the walls of exclusion, anything, any kind of bias, chauvinism, intolerance, anything that has been a barrier for any one of us to God, to others, that we've dealt with it, that we've knocked it down so that we can be a church that shares the vision and sees it clearly, a vision of one generation, a vision of one body, united by one spirit, right? Having one hope, one faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because he's the head above all and over all and in all and through all. You know, with the walls down, there's visibility, clear, unobstructed vision, and I want us all to share that vision. And second, there's access. There is access when walls are knocked down, when barriers are laid flat. Because what is the primary reason to build walls? It's to keep people out. I mean, these ancient walls weren't built just to look for looks. They were built for security, to keep people out. We don't want certain people in our city. We need to build a wall and keep them out. It's a, it was a primary purpose. But when there are no walls, then what? Well, then there's access, right? People can come and go. There's freedom. People can walk in. People can walk out. Julie and I were blessed to see uh, so many cities in our, in our time away, but one that really stands out in my mind is the city of Assisi. 
It's renowned for a man of, a man of peace, a uh, man, uh, his name was uh, Giovanni, Giovanni di Pietro di Bernard, Bernard, Bernard. yeah. He was uh, Francis. He took the name of Francis. St. Francis he became known as. St. Francis of Assisi. And uh, his story was that that he heard from the Lord uh, one night in a dream, and the Lord said, Francis, repair my church. It's fractured, it's broken. And he saw it as too rich and too wealthy and too exclusive. And what did he do? He was a wealthy kid. He had been born with a silver spoon in his mouth, and he renounced his wealth. His father was angry with him. His father was a, a rich silk merchant. father was angry with him. But he renounced all his wealth, and he went out to serve people, to welcome people. He wanted the church to be open to all. Why? What's the vision of the church? It's the vision. And as I said, it's nothing new or unprecedented. And in the city of Assisi, as we walked up to it, and there was a beautiful basilica for St. Francis, but it was built after he died on a hill, and there was big walls around it, walls that were built in the 14th century. They're still standing. So we came up to a gate, a gate of the city, and the guide uh, talked about the huge gates that were still there, still intact, these enormous wooden doors on the gate, and they were open. And the, the guide said to us, she said, it used to be in times past, they had to close those big, huge doors every single night because they were, they were built to keep people out. But she said, now they never close. They never close because we don't want to keep anybody from entering Assisi. And I thought, wow, what a picture that is. What a picture of access of freedom, of availability. They didn't want anybody to not be able to enter. It's like a wall knocked down. An open door is an image of, of access. It's an image of, of no wall, no barrier. And it's the open image that was presented in Psalm number 24. The Psalm talks about how great God is, how he is the creator, who can enter into his presence, the one with clean hands and clean, uh, pure heart, and, and they're going to be blessed. But then the psalm goes on, right? In verse 7, it says, Lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And, you know, what does that mean? David said it once in verse 7. He emphasized it again in verse 9. What, what was it all about? You know, lift up your heads. Re remember, David had to deal with his wall. He had to deal with his anger. He had to deal with his fear of God's wrath. And so he explains in the first part of the psalm how he, he has done that. And now, in these final verses, he, he talks about lifting up your heads, you gates, that the king of glory may come in. And it's about inviting God's presence. 
It's about access. It's about an open door for God's presence. Remember that David, at the time of this psalm, he had recently conquered the city of Jerusalem. Well, like all the ancient cities, Jerusalem was a fortified city. It was surrounded by walls. And Jerusalem's walls were really quite good because the Jebusites who were in Jerusalem before David conquered, they mocked David. Read 2 Samuel chapter 6 or chapter 5. It, it says that they told David, you know, even the lame and the blind will be able to defend our city against you. Why? Why were they mocking him? Why were they saying our lame and our blind can defend the city? Because we have great walls. We have enormous walls of protection. We have solid gates we're not going to open. And you're never going to conquer us. Well, in 2 Samuel 5, you also read then what occurred to David. He found a vulnerability. And it talks about entering the city through aqueducts through a tunnel where water would come into the city, underground. So David discovered this vulnerability, and his men came in that way, and they conquered the city. And then he invited in God's presence. He invites in the presence of Almighty God, the Ark of the Covenant, which we talked about, not through some hidden underground aqueduct. No, no, through the open gates of the city. He says, lift up your heads, you gates. So picture instead of double doors that swing open on hinges, picture something more like a garage door lifting up. Because that may have been the type of door that was on the gate of Jerusalem at that time. Or might have been a, a portcullis, which is just a, a, a grate of iron that drops down in front of a door. And if you can picture some of the medieval doors, they were made like that where this portcullis of iron would come down in front of the door. They could drop it very quickly before they swung their gates closed if an enemy was coming. So David might be referring to that too. Lift it up. Get it out of the way so that the doors can open. Lift up your heads, you gates, that the king of glory may come in. He's bringing in the presence of God to Jerusalem. Gate must be open. The fallen wall, the open gate, it gives clear vision, it gives open access. It gives open access to the presence of God. So David says, make access, make way for the king, make way for the king of glory. And that open picture, that open picture, it's, it's a picture for us to consider for our heart, for our hearts to be open to the presence of Almighty God. For our hearts to be open to receive Jesus Christ. For our hearts to be open to receive others. To receive any. To receive all. Open to all who need Jesus Christ. Not open just for some. Not open just for the people we like. But open for all to come in and to go out with the peace of Christ. To go out and share the peace of Christ. So any barrier, anything encumbering that going in and coming out has got to be leveled. I've got to take care of it. Any door, it's got to be open. Any wall, it's got to go down. 
because it gives us clear vision. It provides access. That's the picture of heaven. You know, that is the picture of heaven. The church here is supposed to be a representation of heaven on earth. You might not believe that. You might say some days it doesn't really even feel like that. But that's what we're called to be, a, an image of heaven on earth. Revelation chapter 21 describes it. It describes this, this vision of heaven. The new city of Jerusalem is called coming down uh, from above. And it's described beautifully. It's just the, the beauty of it, the majesty of it is overwhelming. And it says there's no temple in the city. Why? Because Jesus is in the city and Jesus is the temple. And there's no need for the sun or the moon. Why? Because the light, the light of Christ fills the city and it lights the city and the city has 12 gates and and they're described like a like a big pearl beautiful and then in revelation 21 25 it says and the gates will never shut they will never be closed heaven's open to all young and old rich and poor man and woman black and white everyone that's the picture of heaven. It's the vision for the church. But don't think it's a message of universalism. Don't believe that, you know, because I say it's open to all and any, that by any and all I mean without condition. No, because Revelation 21 says the gates are open, they'll never shut. But it says nothing unclean will ever enter. So now we're back to David and we're back to Psalm 24. Who can enter? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. But well, we've gone over it. If you believe that you're not clean enough or your heart's not pure enough, Revelation 21 finishes it for us. It says, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life can enter. Only those are the ones who are clean enough. And that can be any, because any can come to Christ. Any can come to Christ and make him your head and make him your righteousness because he's the only one who can make us clean enough and righteous enough. He's the only one who's been able to walk through the doors unencumbered because he's clean enough and he's pure enough. And his presence fills the heaven, and his presence is to fill his church. It's God's vision for the church, and it's my vision for Bethesda Christian Church. If you haven't dealt with the bricks or the blocks or whatever it is that might be encumbering you from having a complete and full relationship with Christ, or if it's, it's something that has, you're dealing with because of other people, we need to deal with them. We need to knock them bricks down. We need to open up the doors. We need to remove the walls in order to embrace the vision for the church that God Almighty has for it. Level the walls that the King of glory may come in and his church be one. One generation, one body, seeing him as the head and loving him as Lord and Savior. Do you see the vision? All right, are you with me? All right, I'm glad. It's good to be home, it's great to be home. Let's be the church 
that's one. Let's go out and share Jesus Christ. Let people know our doors are open because our doors are the doors of his church. Let's pray. Let's pray. And if you want to stand, let's pray as we conclude this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your church. Thank you for what Jesus has done, that we can be declared righteous, that we can be declared clean, that we can come into your presence uncumbered, that he's dealt with the major barrier of sin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, without you we're nothing. We need you. We need you every day. We need our Lord and our Savior, our everlasting Jesus. Oh, Lord, if there's anyone here, I know God. For the past couple of weeks, they've been challenged. They've been challenged to deal with things. Lord, if there's any that are still struggling with something, someone, some issue, with you, with others, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, I pray, Lord, and I, I pray uh, by faith with all those in this church that that person would, would be able to deal with it. Lord, that you would enable them, that you'd empower them, that you would give them what they need to see clearly your vision, God, that others, everyone, is to be part of your church. God, bless it. Lord, bless it. I commit this church into your hands, God. This is not my church, it's your church. It's yours, God. It's yours by the, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask and I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would unite us. I pray that you would bring us together as one generation that can seek your face, that can call on you, that can ask for your blessing, that can seek your favor because we have the divine Jesus Christ as our, as our righteousness and our purity. Thank you, God, for that. Lord, bless it, I pray. Lord, get it into everyone. Infect their hearts and their minds with this, that if we love others and we call them into your church, we can conquer the world. We can be victorious over evil. God, I pray that you would bless this church to that end, that you would unite our hearts and draw us all together for your kingdom, for your glory, to honor you, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, I pray that you would make it like a wave that flows through this place and out into our neighborhoods and out into our workforces, Lord, and out into our schools where we are uninhibited and we share the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others because your gospel, God, your Son, your Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he has come to make a way for any and all. God, make it infectious in us that we share that, that we make it our divine purpose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others to empower your kingdom. God, that we see the greatness of heaven here on earth in your church. God, I pray you'd bless it. I pray that you would bless this prayer. Receive it, Lord, and touch everyone with it. God, as we go today, bless and keep us, Lord. Make your face to shine upon each one, God. Give us your peace. Give us your grace. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and his precious name. Amen. Amen. Go in his grace this morning.